this, what follows is not for the faint of heart. We bring you tales of the paranormal, human wickedness, the curious, and the bizarre. Please, if you continue, proceed with caution and an open mind. We are the Queen City Creeps. Hi guys, hello and welcome to your favorite podcast, uh, Queen City Creeps, and I already messed that up. That is the name of the podcast. That is the name of the podcast. I am Sarah, Sarah, and I am here with Shelby. They they can see me, Sarah. They can see you, and Jennifer. Hi. And everyone here at Culture Flock. Make some noise. So we are recording, which means if you say or do something really terrible, it's going to go on the podcast, but Alonzo might edit it out. We'll see how it goes. But if it's funny, it's probably staying. So be aware of that. Cool, cool. Uh, well, as you guys know, if you listen to the podcast, we generally kick things off with a little bit of an icebreaker question. Uh, and tonight we're going to have Summer up here with us. Say hi, Summer. That's for you. Oh, Lord. Oh, it's on, by the way. Hi. Yeah, that it's on. Yeah. It's yeah. all. It's, okay. And it's not even the nice mic. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't care. Okay, cool. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so my icebreaker question, the first one of two this evening, so be excited for later. Um, What moment in your life do you feel like should have been in a movie, whether it was a good or bad moment? Um, I have a moment that is straight out of a dark comedy, and my mom, who is coming tonight, is not here, so I'm going to tell you. Um, (laughs) Perfect. It involves her, so that's why she can't know about it. If you post this on Instagram where she can see it. (laughs) She can't see this. Okay. Um, So several years ago, before I came to know who I truly was, uh, I was about to get married to a man. And um, (laughs) I wasn't too stoked on the idea, kind of felt pressured. And so the day of the wedding, I went up to my mom and I was like, Mom, I'm just not feeling right about this. And she was like... Summer, is this about you being a goddamn lesbian again? (laughs) And I said, yes, and that's kind of the problem. And so, anyway, um, if you want to know more about what happened afterwards, feel free to ask me later. But um, that's my my dark comedy moment. I can laugh at it now. At the the time, it was like... (laughs) That's, that's good. So everybody else is laughing at it yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's better to just laugh at it. As long as you're yeah, on the same page with Yeah, us, we're good. We're good now, so. Good. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here, by the way. Thanks. Thanks for having us. This is Summer's establishment. She's amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. And yes, she, I agree with that statement. <laughs> she will be available if you want to buy any of the cool shit in the front, so let her know. She's happy to check you out. Okay. With the merchandise, nice. guys. Right. Don't get too excited. Yes. Okay, calm down. Uh, so, yeah, Shelby, Jennifer, me, who wants to go next? Who has a terrible movie moment? J- jump on in. I'm still thinking about Summer checking out my merchandise. Now that wouldn't be appealing <laughs> to her at all. So, Shelby, your merchandise is appealing to everybody. Don't worry about it. Based on the previous story, I'm going to go with no. No, oh, buddy. Jeez. Jennifer, you told me you had a good one. Yeah, so I feel like at one point in my life, when I was in college... I feel like I was part of like the real world or like Jersey Shore. I was no. It was super fucking dramatic. Um, we had we were in a dorm with six females, like Wait, eighteen year old females, all named Sam or something. Yeah, like three of them were named uh, some variation of Samantha. Yeah, which is too much. Sam, Sammy, and Samantha. And one of them was really dirty. She was a dirty Samantha. Yeah, well, Sammy. That's right. The Sammy oh, one. Sammy. Of yeah. course. Was it with and that a was, Y? That was my roommate because we oh. had sweet mates, and then we had one roommate each. Okay. So Sammy was a goddamn mess. Um, <laughs> best way to put it, I think. Um, it's just <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, that's gonna keep happening. Shall we? <laughs> Uh, we didn't get along. Uh, she was definitely like a typical sorority girl, went out all the time, didn't care about others. Not that all sorority girls don't care right. about others, just that Dirty Sammy was a hot mess is what yeah. I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. And I was definitely not that. So we clashed often. Mm-hmm. And one night she got mad at me and I don't even really remember exactly what it was. I think we had an issue with one of her friends who was also our sweet mate and they were in a fight. I sided with the other one, 
Uh-huh. And then she got mad at me one night. I was sleeping. She turned off the light or turned on the light while I was sleeping, slammed doors multiple times. Um, and I got fed up with it. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? What, what's right. wrong with you right, right now? And then she tells me that I'm a jealous bitch. Um, <laughs> she shakes my bed at one point and says, come at me, bitch. <laughs> Those were the words that were said to me. And I was like... Is this a movie or a talk show? <laughs> this was the real world. The, this is the, the real, real world, world, Shelby. Yeah. I just want to take this banner down. I'm not going to lie to you. It'll do it itself, obviously. Yeah. It, I can't. It's stuck to my back. Yeah, give it time. Glad we got a couple of pictures first. Alonzo took pictures. It's fine. It's totally fine. But anyway, that was that was pretty much the most dramatic thing that happened, but... We didn't talk after that. She moved out, which was good. Uh-huh. And then I had my room to myself for the rest of the semester. So really, I won out of this. Which was your plan the whole time, because you are, in fact, yes. an evil bitch, as it turns out. Yeah. And also right the main character in the movie, so I'm glad things worked out for yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. Gross. That, that sounds terrible. I'm really yeah, sorry. I know. Hmm. Shelby? With my lack of preparation, because I guess I didn't discuss this question with you guys before, so it's I've been thinking about it this whole time. Right. <laughs> I'm a fucking alcoholic. And I think you know that. Do you want me to go? No, no, I got this one. Oh, Fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah Great. thanks for the heads thanks. up. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. So, uh, actually, being an alcoholic is part of the problem with this story. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, I've had a lot of stories end up a lot like The Hangover uh, with less, like, baby in the room, I guess. Other than that, uh, it's actually the last time we did a live show. The first and last time we did a live show. It's not the last time because we're doing one right now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, that occurred at Moon City Pub, which is where I drink anyway. Uh, so you couple that with the stress of trying to figure out how the fuck to run this thing live, and also being a Friday evening and a bunch of people being there that I actually felt like I had to impress, several of whom were still in the room. Um, I got shit-faced. Uh, real, real, real fucking drunk. Shelby and had a straw and a pitcher. Yes. It was awesome. Yeah, that's... On stage. That's definitely the craziest thing that happened that night. Oh, wait. No, it's (laughs) fucking not. So that then turned into me drinking, I think, three pitchers of beer on stage. Uh, Whenever I left the stage and was done packing my shit up, which I I looked at it the next day and was just blown away by how shitty I am at everything whenever I'm drunk, apparently. Not as bad as Jennifer and I when we're sober. That's actually fair, but still. (laughs) Yes. But uh, then... I, I started getting pictures from people, and one of them was the picture from you. <laughs> and I don't know if I was yawning or screaming or what the fuck I was doing, but there is this god-awful picture of me in, in this Pearl Snap shirt, and I had just ripped the fucking thing open and was, like, grabbing the back of my head and just screaming to the heavens. And I get this picture, and I'm like, wow, that's, like, three hours after I remember fucking anything. <laughs> So then, again, piecing the rest of the night together wasn't great either, but it reminds me of that end scene in The Hangover where they're just showing all the different pictures of the yes. goofy shit that went on that night. I'm relatively sure that was at 9.30 in the evening. Yeah, that was three hours after I shouldn't yeah. have remembered anything. Yeah, it was a rough night. It was a little bit of a rough night. Um, so mine is not nearly that dramatic, honestly. Was mine dramatic? I mean, you were ripping your shirt open with screaming into the sky at Moon City. I'm going to do that tonight after this. <laughs> It's a little bit of a different crowd than on Commercial Street, but it's totally fine. Maybe a bit. Okay, so I was a considerable amount younger and not nearly as experienced in the ways of love as I am now. What up, husband? How are you? (laughs) And I was in an interesting situation with a dude that I was friends with. Just friends. Nothing had happened. But... We would, you know, hang out, and then he wouldn't return phone calls, and then I wouldn't return phone calls, and texting was less of a thing now, or then, than it was now. And um, at one point, we were riding together together in an elevator, and I was mad. I was so mad because he hadn't been returning phone calls like you do, and was just, you know, kind of short and quiet. He turns and looks at me, makes prolonged eye contact, turns away, and then says... You make my heart race. I was like, oh my God, this guy, what the heck? And then at the same time, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We haven't talked in like four days. What is happening? And then he just got out the elevator and acted like everything was totally normal. And that was it. 
That was the end of it. Romantic comedy. Romantic comedy. It was like a very perfect meet cute moment with a dude that you should not have a meet cute moment with. Yes. He was horrible. But just that to that day, I'm like, man, that's like Max. Max moment of make my heart race. Jesus. I'm just thinking about it. Same. (laughs) Years later, just think about that regularly. Tell Shelby all about it. All right, well, this evening, you guys, we are doing something a little different than what you might be used to on the podcast. Normally, it's just one of us telling a story as the other two riff on top of it, which is great, fun, exciting even, but we're going to do something you might be familiar with called Two Truths and a Lie. Uh, Springfield has a lot of local legends, and each one of us is going to tell you one, and at the end of this whole band of hijinks, I guess, you're going to have to vote and tell us which one you think is a lie. Sound good? Yeah, everybody, let's make some noise. Like, let's be excited. (laughs) Be excited. For for the sake of those listening at home, everybody just nodded. Like audio, not video. So make sure to be really loud and annoying as much as possible. Sound good? Okay. Thank you. Perfect. Okay. So we talked about this last night. Do you remember? No. (laughs) <laughs> okay, you were going to go first. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, so let's give it up for Shelby and his story for this evening. And this was a suggestion by someone in this crowd, by the way. Oh, hot damn. I'm not going to say who, but they know who they are. Well, and they also already know whether it's a, a truth or a lie, so. Yeah, don't say this unless you know. I mean, don't, wait till the end. Wait till the end. Yes. Saying. Don't ruin it for everybody else. You can go now. Yeah. Fantastic. These are new mics. We don't do these very often. So I'm really enjoying having the mobility. Can you not do that motion? Can you talk about the mic? It's an audio recording, not a video recording. (laughs) Everybody knows now that I said that, though. So that's all that matters. All right. This is the story of the Brothers Young. Anybody know him? Nope. Not anybody. Fantastic. So the Young Brothers. uh, It was Paul, Harry, and Jennings, who also went by Jinx. Uh, we're already well-known. Jinx. Jinx. Huh. He's yeah. the bad one, you guys. Obviously. He's the, he's the only one with a name. He's the so bad obviously, boy. Yeah. yeah, he's the one to watch out for, obviously. <laughs> uh, they were already well-known to law enforcement in this area by the time that the 1920s had rolled around, but they were small-time thieves. I mean, petty theft and, and things like that. Obviously, Did they, they steal were, horses? I'm guaranteeing that they stole that they stole horses as well. Perfect. Maybe horseless carriages too. I don't know. It was the twenties. What the fuck? Who's to say? So all of them had served uh, time at the, peniten- the penitentiary in Jefferson City for burglary and burglary and theft. Sorry, apparently I'm a little drunk than I thought I was. <laughs> You've only been drinking PBR, and you're already in your show beer. So I'm not getting you another one. That's fine. I can Kay. walk. So uh, Jennings and Paul had also served terms at Leavenworth. Uh, as well as Jefferson City. So by the late 1920s, they had become household names with local law, law enforcement, and they'd earned the names of the Young Triumvirate. So Triumvirate? Again, yeah, there's three of them. That's well-education. Well-education? Well-educated? <laughs> like being educated in a well, yeah. Right. <laughs> they were educated the fuck out of. <laughs> they educated the fuck out of them. Yes. yes. Probably not. That's probably why they were thieves. I'm not really sure. You got to make ends meet somehow. They probably dropped out in like sixth grade. That's true. It was the 20s. Yeah. Local authorities uh, thought they were nonviolent. You see where this is going already. No, God. Until June 2nd, 1929, when Harry Young and an accomplice murdered Mark No, who was the city marshal of Republic, uh, after No had stopped Young for drunk driving. But of a horseless carriage. I did not know they did that in 1929. I thought they kind of... I thought that was a recent development. I didn't think there were traffic laws in 1929. I, also, I didn't know Republic traffic. was a town in 1929. Oh, yeah. Republic's old as fuck. Oh. They just knocked huh. the whole thing down and made it nice, I think. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Continue. So, Harry then disappeared with his two brothers and were living under false names in Texas for two and a half years. Because Jinx is pretty recognizable. Well, Jen- Jennings <laughs> is. I think Jinx might have come about at that point. I'm oh. Not sure. mm, okay. That, that's, his te- that's his Texas name. Okay, that sounds like a Texas name, yeah. (laughs) Right, exactly. So while they were in Texas, they established a large-scale auto theft ring, horseless carriages. Oh, wait. So actually automobiles or like a horse wrestling ring? 
No, no, like it's how? I'm just saying. What? <laughs> rustling, yeah. rustling. They Not were, wrestling. They were also very involved in the horse wrestling underground scene, apparently. So. Okay. No, I, that's that's a lie. I would pay to watch that. That's fair. So again, cars were invented. Maybe we'll go back a step farther. <laughs> Sometime before 1929. I mean, I guess they're gaining in popularity. You have to steal them. It's a whole. Right, they're very expensive. Yeah. It's like $800 for a car back then. Right, so that's a lot of money. That's ridiculous. a lot of uh, wrestling. That's a lot of that's a lot of horse <laughs> wrestling to pay that off. Yes. So they actually were described by the FBI as being the largest uh, auto theft ring of its kind at the oh, time. Oh, wow. But it's also the 1920s. That's why I said at the time. <laughs> they, probably stole, like, they probably stole eight cars, and they were like, these guys are fucking out of control. They are serious business. <laughs> they have stolen yeah. half the cars in Houston. We need to address this. That's why I asked about horse wrestling, and that was just fucking ridiculous, but whatever. Right. It's fine. Sorry. Continue. So uh, after they'd been running this auto theft ring for quite some time, they decided it was time to go home and see the family. So they were actually, the the young ranch was actually in Brookline, or what is now Brookline. Did they drive? Uh, (laughs) I mean, they had several cars. (laughs) I can assume they probably each drove separately. Cool. Excellent. So by the end of 1931, uh, Harry and Jinx had decided to visit their family farm in Missouri. So they'd been on the run at that point for, I think, think two years that thereabouts anyway and so uh on january 2nd 1932 sheriff marcel Hendricks of green county missouri received information indicating the two young brothers were at their family's farm near brookline and Hendricks quickly assembled a posse of lawmen set out for the farm the 10 police officers and one civilian who went to arrest the young brothers were by today's standards unprepared for the job why did they take one civilian Ten cops and one civilian. I assume human shield. Like a... <laughs> I was like, court reporter? I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay. I, <laughs> I found most of this on Wikipedia, if that helps anything. <laughs> they also seem to be unaware of why the civilian was in tow. Uh, uh, okay, continue. I have to assume he was just really excited. He's like, can I go? Can I go? And they're like, eh, get in the car. Here's, <laughs> here's a fake debut to badge. <laughs> right. It's going to be great. So uh, they were completely unprepared for taking on the young brothers at the farm. The two of them. Uh, They carried no weapons other than handguns, and they had no spare ammunition on them. But there were two brothers. There were three, actually. All three of them? I believe so, at the time. Against ten cops and a civilian. But with, like, eight rounds, or six rounds apiece. So, Okay. How far does that get you? Right. I mean, more than three. (laughs) That's fair, I guess. Yeah. So once they arrived at the farmhouse, uh, the police officers went into the front yard and they yelled for the brothers to come out. You've seen this in a number of movies. And uh, that never goes well. I don't know why people keep doing that, where they stand in the yard and say, Youngs, I know you're in there. Come on out. <laughs> and they're like, no. And then they start fucking shooting. That's how every movie works. But in 1929, they hadn't seen those movies yet. So, Were uh, talkies a thing? I, I believe talkies were at that point <laughs> starting to come into the, uh, the mainstream. Perfect. And okay. un- unemploying all the organists. God damn it. I know. I'm bummed, too. So uh, there was no response, but Officer Ollie Crosswhite, (laughs) badass fucking name. That's a great name. uh, Heard a person walking around inside. So obviously the yard is really close to this house. Like they... They're up in the yard. Oh, they're up in the yard. Oh, for sure. They're basically on the porch as far as I can tell. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because the guns don't shoot as far then, right? (laughs) Yes. We'll go with yes. Yeah. So Sheriff Hendricks ordered tear gas to be fired into the house, and there was no immediate result. So Hendricks and his deputy sheriff, Wiley Mashburn. What the? <laughs> I'd love to say that I was changing these names for the sake of this two truths and a lie thing, but I am not. <laughs> None uh, of my names this are this good. <laughs> None of them. Change them. God damn it. We have okay, that power. So they decided to kick down the back door of the house and go into the house. So... When they did that, uh, two people who were armed with a 12-gauge shotgun and a twenty-five twenty rifle, which I can't say I've ever heard of, but again, not a gun guy. Uh, Are there any gun guys here? Yeah, this is the, this is the I, right crowd for that. I honestly feel really safe just knowing that. <laughs> so uh, they, they ended up opening firing on the two from inside the house. Uh, Wait, what? Say that again? That they opened fire on, opened fire on them from inside the house. Oh, the so they oh, brothers down. did, not the cops yes. from inside the house. The, they, they didn't say it was the brothers yet. It's just two guys with guns. We don't know who it is just yet. Okay. 
It's probably the brothers, though. I mean, really. I was like, uh, the cops busted in and just started shooting in the house. <laughs> right. They ended up shooting each other, I'm assuming. <laughs> Shit. It was all tear gas in there. They couldn't tell. So it's basically why they didn't specify, because it wasn't really clear who was actually in the house at the time that this happened. Uh, but it was most likely Harry and James is what they're possibly willing to assume. Right. So Hendricks and Mashburn both uh, were mortally wounded in that in that crossfire. And the officers outside started shooting into the windows of the house. Uh, the people inside continued to pour fire on the exposed policemen out in the yard at that point. So oh. we've now killed two, and then they started firing into the house. Everybody else is now shooting out of the house. So the cops are shooting at each other. I guess. I'm, I'm not going to speak to the incompetency of the police in 1929, but I'm going to go with probably, yeah, a little I'm bit. I'm just saying your wow. story is called, like, the Young Brother Massacre. I read it on top of your page, and so yeah. far it sounds like the cops are massacring each other. No, they're just shooting at a house at this point. Okay. They don't know what's going on in there. Continue. Uh, so another three officers, who were Tony Oliver, Sid Meadows, and Charles Hauser, were gunned down at that point. The surviving policemen, who were completely out of ammunition and pinned down, then went ahead and left. They just peaced out. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Well, they were out of ammunition, and also <laughs> we're continuing to get shot at. So <laughs> we'll, we'll try this tomorrow. Yeah. Pick this up where we left it off. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll come back. It's they'll fine. be back. It'll be fine. No, they, it, I assume it's kind of a Barney Five situation. They brought one bullet to the thing, and they were just like, oh, I got to go back to the station now. Like, <laughs> which, again, in their situation, yeah, I'm going to go back to the station, I feel like. That seems I like mean, a safe Brooklyn's place. a little bit of a haul from Springfield. I mean, this is also Green County. It wasn't really Springfield, so I don't oh. know where, like, the Green County the shack with the bullets in it was at the time. <laughs> I wanted to say police station, but I don't think that's really what it would have been. <laughs> yeah. A shack? A shack with some bullets in, like, a, a cage for the people they brought in. This doesn't sound terribly secure. I don't feel like it was. Hmm. So, unknown to the people that were fleeing at the time, uh, Officer Crosswhite was still alive. Oh! Yeah, we forgot about old Ollie for a minute there, didn't we? Poor Ollie. Yeah, he's still hanging around, but uh, he was crouched behind a storm cellar at the rear of the house, and then once the suspect inside the house became aware of him being there, they pinned him down with rifle fire, and then uh, the other brother crept up behind him and killed him with a shotgun to the back of the head. Again, poor Ollie. What the fuck? Right. It's interesting to me that they realize this now, because everybody already bailed. Like, how do they know that he was still alive at this point? Well, both the young brothers are still alive, so they're probably the ones telling the tale. There's a good chance of that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everybody left. Then I shot that guy in the back of the head. Also, I would have made it more guilty. dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> not guilty. So they started putting a relief party together in Springfield. Uh, so maybe that's where the shack was. I'm not really certain on that. Uh <laughs> The killers went ahead and took all the money and weapons from the guys they had killed, and they left. The empty wow. weapons. Uh, presumably empty, but they probably had more ammo for them. I don't know. Right. They've you can been... buy more ammunition. Right. I know that. That's always a possibility. Wow, Sarah. I know. I'm glad you know that. It's enlightening. Yes. <laughs> if I know one thing about guns, is that whenever you empty them, you have to throw them away because they're no good anymore. They're useless now. Right. I've heard that, too. It's fine. Right. I've seen people in action movies. They shoot a bunch of rounds off, and then they just chuck the gun at stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's how it works. Duh. So at that point, it became a national issue that there was a manhunt immediately after that, and the young brothers were attracted to a rented room in Houston, Texas. So Houston police officers are better at their job. They just uh, have more bullets. They, they brought more with them. I think that's the biggest thing. We owned enough bullets. We just didn't think that it was necessary to bring them with us at the time. So they ended up entering this rented home on January 5th, and they had discovered at that point that the brothers were hiding in the bathroom. And if I've seen any episodes of Cops, I know this is not going well for the brothers at this point. So they called the men on the inside to surrender, and they started shooting at them again. So we're seeing a pattern with these guys. Uh, the brothers started shooting or the cops started shooting? Everybody started shooting, man. It was, okay. it was crazy. Gotcha. So much shooting. Uh, so whenever the officers returned fire, there was a period of silence, and then several shots were heard, and then a voice called out, we're dead, come on in. <laughs> this feels like a trap, oh. right? Like, that sounds like a fucking trap, but uh, the officers then went into the bathroom, trusting these two men who just <laughs> shot at them. And they ended up finding uh, Jinx and Harry Young mortally wounded from several gunshot wounds. Uh, the guns that were taken from the officers in Brookline were actually found on the bodies, so that kind of proved that this had happened, obviously. 
all of the all of the weapons from Brookline. Probably all of them, yeah, on their bodies. Right on. That's <laughs> a lot of weapons. <laughs> That's a lot of weapons. Yeah, just strapped all over the place. They wanted to be well prepared. I, they know how shootouts work. Exactly. This they isn't were, their first rodeo. They've already had one. So. Right. And they won. So the coroner's office in Houston uh, concluded the brothers had shot each other in a suicide pact to avoid capture. So oh. who shouted, we're dead? Hmm? Which one of the brothers said, we're dead? I didn't say. I think they were both dead by the time they actually made it in. <laughs> so they couldn't like realize, it's like, hey, did you say that? No? Okay. No? Okay. <laughs> Must have been the other dead guy. <laughs> so uh, people later questioned in the version of events, uh, suspected that the officers involved might have actually killed them. Hmm. Again, what a surprise. this is not a pervasive issue at all. It's fine. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much it. I mean, the guys are dead. There's not a whole lot more to the story. But uh-huh. again, that was one of the uh, one, one of the first big like FBI manhunts that had anything to do with, uh, well, especially the little town of Brookline, but this area in general, too. Yeah. So obviously you had some Bonnie and Clyde stuff in there somewhere, too. But these guys were... Uh, prolific car thieves that then ended their lives in a murder-suicide pact. So That's right. nice. It's good that brothers can stick together like that. Yeah. Yeah. Always good. Perfect. I don't know what happened to the other brother. He probably just cried because his brothers killed each other. I don't think he was in the bathroom at the time, though. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, like, he's sad that his brothers are all dead. Or that he wasn't, like, the the brother to sit there with them. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, he's the one that was left out when they played and stuff when they were little. I was just imagining that he was crying (laughs) a lot whenever the post showed up uh, two and a half months later or whatever with the notice that his brothers had been killed. Oh, no. Probably Telegraph? Morse code? Yeah. Pony Express? Pony Express. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. All right. Cool. Thanks, Shelby. Good job. Woohoo! All right. So I am getting ready to do my story. And my local legend is Camp Winnetonka. Has anybody heard of that? Woo! Some some people. So are you wooing because you have? I, I'm just wooing, but yeah, I've heard of it. I love it when you <laughs> woo. Okay, so once known as Winnetonka Lodge, Winnetonka Campgrounds was a location of a Girl Scout camp with a creek on site and occupied about 400 acres of densely wooded hill country. The camp was an ideal spot to leave civilization behind and was used by the Girl Scouts year-round. Okay? It was a pretty cool little camp. It had campers' tents and counselors' tents, and they were all named after different Indian tribes because that's what people did back in the day. Oh, okay. I know. So, the first two-week session was held in June of 1977, and at that time, more than 130 campers were attending. Unfortunately... On June 13th, one day into the two-week session, um, three Girl Scouts, all between the ages of 8 and 10, were raped and murdered. Oh. Yeah, this isn't fun like a massacre. I was, I was waiting to laugh. I didn't get to laugh. I'm no, there was no out. laughing. You're, no. you're going to have to work really hard to make this funny. I know normally I'm hilarious, but like this just kind of stresses me out. So we can usually edit things when there's people in the room, so most of the jokes I'm going to make, I shouldn't make. <laughs> I mean, Alonzo can edit them? Edit this. (laughs) We know most of these people. It'll be fine. They know what to expect from us. So, it's fine. All right. So, flashback two months before the murders. um, All of the counselors were on site at a training session. And one of the camp counselors discovered that her belongings had been ransacked and a disturbing note, note was left behind. The handwritten note left inside of an empty donut box. There had been donuts in it beforehand, so they ate all the donuts. They stole, they stole the donuts, They too. stole all the donuts. <laughs> Fucking monsters. I know. The note warned, we are on a mission to kill three girls in one tent. Now, someone had also created an effigy of a man, which they hung, by a tr- hung from a tree by its neck. The effigy was hung by the neck. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification. I do it didn't. That. It didn't tell me what they were made out of. Like the effigy, I assumed donuts. <laughs> but they, they had the resources, so I'm going to go with yes. Yep. So the effigy and the note were strange. They were upsetting. But the note also said, hey, we're Martians. So no one really took it very seriously. So LSD was involved then? Yeah, definitely. It was 77. Okay. So... 
Um, the camp administrators were like, this is really fucking weird, but they kind of just dismissed the whole series of events as just pranksters, you know, some sort of hazing, that kind of situation, and went on their way. Okay. Um, I personally would be really upset about the donuts, but no one's surprised by that either. Apparently, they just donuts. let that part go. That wasn't their concern for some reason. I love donuts. You always have donuts at your house. I do. Always. Always. Okay, so the 130 girls were dropped off at the camp. Their parents all said goodbye. You know, they waved. Were super excited. Because for a lot of these girls, it was the first time I'd ever gone to Girl Scout camp. Did you say 130? 130 girls. Oh, three out of 130 isn't bad at all. The- <laughs> See, these are the jokes I was worried about. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, people laughed, so it's fine. Uh, so, yeah, parents dropped them off. It was a Sunday. And after a great afternoon of all the Girl Scouting activities that you do on the first day of Girl Scouts, like singing and shit, um, they all went to bed, and there was a big thunderstorm, which is, you know, going to happen. And all the girls huddled in their tents. Among them were Lori Lee Farmer. She was age eight. Doris Milner, age 10, and Michelle Goose, age 9. They were all in tent 8 in the camp's Kiwa unit, which was actually the furthest from the camp counselor's tent. Um, and they were kind of partially obscured by the showers for the camp overall, um, which I saw pictures of, and they're real sketch. Like, they're just like a big, long... The, the showers? Yeah, like a big communal shower. I wouldn't want to do that. I mean, mm. What were you expecting at a Girl Scout camp? At my Girl Scout camp, we had stalls. Fucking fancy-ass Girl Scout camp. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Joplin, Missouri. What, what? Okay. So, um, the next morning, a counselor was walking to the showers when she saw them. Uh, The girls were about 150 feet from their tent, all near a base of a tree. Uh, Lori and Michelle were zipped inside their sleeping bags, so it looked like they were sleeping, so she didn't see their bodies, but Denise was laying on top of hers in plain view. Um, It was very obvious she was dead, and the camp counselor, who actually had spent pretty much the whole day with these three girls because she was their counselor, didn't even recognize her. Um, She just didn't really understand what had even happened. Like, again, like, this was a camp counselor. She was probably, like, 17 years old at the time and had no idea what was happening. They only know, know each other for a day. I mean, well, I mean, oh, I've Shelby. not recognized people I've known for years. You don't recognize me sometimes. It's mostly when he's drunk, though. Right? That's true. She wasn't I mean, drunk. This was really early in the morning. Oh, okay. Also, trampy skirts. It just got distracting. Are we going to talk about my skirt? Do you want to have this conversation right now? We already had this conversation several times. I think we're good. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> All right. So she didn't make sense of what she was seeing. So she ran to get the head of the camp and the camp nurse because she felt there'd been a terrible accident. Which is accurate. Not an accident. Um, and when she returned with the camp director and the nurse, only then did she really realize that there had been no accident and there were actually two children. Because like I said, she didn't even see the other two in the tent. Or in the sleeping bag. Yep. Um, so were they just laying there? Like yeah, how- like they looked like they were camped underneath of the tree. So they weren't like a bloody mess or something? One of them was. Okay. Yeah. They were all beaten quite a bit, so it was really sad. Gotcha. I'm trying to keep it decently light. I don't I mean, but I want to know how they died. You just they, said they died. So they were, one of them was strangled and the other two were beaten to death. Okay. Yes. And all three were sexually assaulted. Wow. Made it, way to make it dark. Did they, <laughs> <laughs> did kidding. they beat them to death in the sleeping bags, like hanging from the tree and just pinata that shit? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they didn't. They were tucked nicely in after they were beaten. To death. That doesn't make any fucking sense. My plan was <laughs> awesome. Anyway, so after 10, 10 days of looking for the person that did this, um, the police followed up for leads and they conducted hundreds of interviews, but most of it really just came to nothing. Like, no one had seen anything. There was no real evidence left at the, you know, the scene. And, and it was just crazy. You would think with a Three girls being murdered 150 feet from their counselors. Somebody would have heard something, but no one did. So it was unfortunate. Uh, like I said, 10 days later, uh, the district attorney, Sid Wise, called a news conference. And he said that they had a suspect that was going to be formally charged with all three murders. This man was 33-year-old Jean Leroy Hart. 
He was a local. The police were already very familiar with him. He'd been the star of the football team when he was in high school, but he was also a convicted rapist and burglar and two-time prison escapee who'd been on the run for over four years. So take that, high school people. I feel like the quarterback thing is no longer worth talking about anymore at that point. (laughs) Well, you'd think that, except that this was his town, and people still knew him and knew his family. And so even though he was charged with these murders— there were people protesting his innocence until he was, you know, on trial. Should have played more football. Right? <laughs> All right. So, in addition to his previous convictions, um, the sentences for which totaled 300-plus years in jail, he was also now facing three first-degree murder charges. So, this guy was fucked regardless. 300 yes. years in jail. It, it kind of seems like a scapegoat thing at that point. It's like he's already going to jail, so trying him for this isn't going to make a difference. We'll touch on that later. Unless he's a warlock and can, you know, survive <laughs> that fucking long. I'm sorry. Who knows? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking rationally, ch- Jennifer. My bad. <laughs> hmm. He's a member of the Cherokee Nation. And so a lot of people in the town thought that he was being blamed because of racism. Okay. And scapegoat, like Shelby said. But he's still kind of a bad person, so whatever. Okay, so with conclusion of that news conference, the manhunt manhunt for the manhunt for Hart would go down in as the largest in our state's history, and it lasted about ten months until April sixth, nineteen seventy eight, when he was finally caught. Um, on he was in the middle of the woods, living in a tar paper shack, and had been for several months. So that's exciting. All right, he should have taken one of those sleeping bags. He should have. He probably had one. It was a tar paper shack, not like, you know, a tent. Anyway, on March 5th, 1979, almost 21 months after the murders, his trial finally began. And the state's case hinged on two basic types of evidence. The biological, which included some hair and other, you know, sperm samples, found on the girls, which expert witness testimony linked to Hart. Um, but I should note that they couldn't do, like, DNA matching because that didn't happen until the late 1980s. So it was just, like, an exclusionary thing, kind of like they talked about in the Golden State Killer case. I don't know if anybody so else. they just, like, hold his hair up to his head and just be like, that was about right. <laughs> yes, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, lo- I fucking love science. Science is amazing. Um, and then they found some items that they felt like could place him near the scene of the crime. Um, This included a pair of sunglasses that had been stolen, you know, when the cabin got ransacked. They didn't find any donuts, so there's that. Um, A roll of tape that matched the tape found at the death scene, and some photos that they're like, hey, he once worked at the prison photo lab, so obviously he knows how to develop photos. That's exciting. Um, and that all of these items had been found in a cave three miles from Camp Winnetonka. So obviously, thanks to all this evidence, he for sure did it. Totes. All right. So they took him to, dry, to trial based on this. Um, among some other items... Uh, nope, that's not what I said. So in all of this, the prosecution admitted at the time that they had no smoking, smoking gun. Um, and also he'd left no evidence. Like fingerprints so there was nothing they literally had nothing but they put him to trial anyway so no surprise to anyone on march 20th he was acquitted and just to be clear it's not like he was going free he still had more than 300 years to serve for his you know rape and burglary convictions um but the jury literally talked for 10 minutes and then were like hey by the way we're gonna let this guy go not not like go-go but just like but like He's not convicted of these three other murders. You can now leave this courtroom, go to the one down the hall. Right. Yeah. So he went to jail. And he went to jail on June 4th. And within a week, he was dead of a heart attack. In jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's right. He was exercising in jail. He fell down and he died. And that was it. Um, the camp was evacuated, evacuated right after everything happened. They tried to reopen it the next summer and, uh, then it shut down and it's, you know, still the fiery shutdown mess that we know of and the murders have never been solved. Wow. I know. 
fucking letdown. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why don't you have a better just, ending? What's I'm just. Wrong I'm with you? sorry. The murders were never solved. I'm usually the perky happy ending one. I know Mary Vincent, but Girl Scouts. Dead I, I, Girl Scouts. I really needed his prison death to be a lot more Jeffrey Dahmery, where he got like sodomized with a broomstick. So you kind of let me down there too, if I'm being honest with you. No. He spent, like, no time in jail after being on run for four years. Right. He was, like, killed over, and that was it. Yeah. So the thing is, is that some people, especially the ones that thought that he really shouldn't be in jail slash he didn't do this to begin with, um, felt like it might be some sort of government conspiracy. Yes. Yes, it was. For sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's really crazy. There were people protesting him even being on trial. Isn't that bonkers? Well, now he's fucking dead, so it's fine. And then he died, and yeah. now we don't know what happened to them. Um, they've since run a lot of DNA tests, but everything is kind of degraded. Um, there were five tests, three of which were matching, but again, it's like an exclusionary type thing. So we'll probably never know who actually did it, unfortunately. All right, everybody clap for Sarah's big fucking disappointing story. <laughs> I love you too, Shelby. It's fine. It's totally fine. Who wants to come up here for an icebreaker question? Anyone? Anybody? Brody! Yay! Oh, yeah. Brody, our beer bouncer. No one gets beer for a minute, apparently. Yeah. Everybody everybody has a cat stamp, right? It's all legal. It's totally fine. Yeah. Good job, Brody. Yeah, definitely. I've been uh, keeping up on that. You've been snapping some cats. I have, sure. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. Awesome. Okay, so, icebreaker question. Cool. What is your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever had? Favorite Halloween costume was when I was Pumbaa when I was uh, four years old. That was the best one because my tail dragged whenever I was Simba, and I refused to do it. (laughs) Refused. Would not leave the driveway as Simba. Had to be Pumbaa. Definitely. Like the same year? Yeah. You're a poor mother. That was the same night. Oh, wow. You poor your mother. I forced her to buy both of them because I didn't know which one I wanted. And my tail dragged as Simba, so I made her uh, get me Pumbaa. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I would you put been, you have up you for fucking adoption. That is, that is a prominent day in my life. Nice. Nice. I, I sense that because you answered that question really fast. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very quick response. I'm not like gonna lie. Three seconds. He knew. Yeah, I he knew exactly know. what I was going to say. We didn't tell him about this no. question. I don't now. even have that good of an answer, no. and I've known about it for like two weeks. So, yeah. good what job, are you Brody. even doing with this podcast? I don't. We don't know. <laughs> We're not clear on that. We have no idea. Cool. I'm We're gl- surprised I'm, there are people. I'm glad here. that you guys have figured it out. <laughs> Thank good you. Good job, Brody. Excellent job bouncing beer. Good job. Okay. Do either one of you do, you... do you remember any Halloween costume you've ever had? <laughs> like, because you're not... Like, you don't remember your childhood. Like, at all. Um, I remember... I've seen pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember being a witch on multiple occasions. Um, because... That's, I'm like, not, the least original I'm, Halloween I'm, costume. I know. Okay. Um... Did you just go door to door at the compound, or how did that work? <laughs> no, it's in my neighborhood, and that's not a compound. It's a like compound. It's the same thing, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's what the I suburbs. Heard. It's, it's fine. A, that's like a compound, but yeah, I didn't do anything really that exciting. I guess was I it mean, different variations of which, or was it literally like the same pointy hat every year? Yeah, same pointy hat. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. It's fine. I'm less disappointed in your endings now. Story, the, the ending <laughs> to your story now. So I feel that's like good I, news. I, I like trick or treating ish. Like I love getting candy, but I I could care less about the. You could just go up. buy candy. Right. Like at the end of the day, you could just go buy candy. Now I, that's what I do. I, yeah. I'd like to have the candy with all this walking around and talking to people, if at all possible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Such a burden. It's so put upon. But honestly, I don't remember. I mean, I remember being like a pumpkin when I was a baby. I don't remember that. I've seen pictures. <laughs> I'm like Barney, I think. But other than that, I don't really remember anything significant. I'm sorry. I'm a disappointment. <laughs> Just glad you remember being Barney. <laughs> yes. I don't remember that. That's, again, another she, picture. She, so. think, she thinks she remembers being Barney. That's yeah. the thing. These it are implanted memories. a random memories. other kid yeah. that we had in the yeah. photo album. I feel like your parents just showed you a bunch of pictures of kids that weren't you, and they were just Maybe. like, yeah, this was your third Halloween, and you're just like, oh, I was cute as shit. <laughs> Wasn't you at all. It is 
doesn't even have bangs. It's fine. They all had bangs. They all had bangs. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Besides the baby pictures. I'm sorry. You want me to go? Or you want to go? I got this one. Okay. So uh, last year, we had this tradition at work that I no longer participate in uh, called the mustache bash. And that is where one shaves off uh, the important part of your facial hair to leave behind the pedophile part of your facial hair. <laughs> it takes place on national or no, international no beard day. Is it international now? Sure. Are there other countries playing this stupid fucking game? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Good to all hear All the it. countries. All the important ones. So, does yeah. it, the second you cross the border, that's that's yes. different now. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate your input on that. So <laughs> last year, I, I had this grand plan because I knew that I'd have just the mustache because obviously I don't grow a beard back fast enough to know that like by the 31st, I was going to be able to do that. So I was like, oh, my girlfriend and I can go as uh, Hunter S. Thompson and the Samoan lawyer from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's basically just a Hawaiian shirt. That's easy. Uh, so I did that, and then all night people are coming up to me and going, oh, Ron Jeremy, hilarious. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but it was great, because people kept walking to my girlfriend being like, oh, he's Ron Jeremy, that's great. Good for you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> so yeah, that was probably the best Halloween costume I've ever had, because uh, it wasn't the Halloween costume I'd walked out of the house intending to have. So, I mean, you do kind of look like Ron Jeremy with a mustache. You've shut your mouth. <laughs> I've said it I, I also have a blonde mustache, which is the most off-putting thing in the world. You're like an Aryan Roger. You, you, you cannot trust a blonde man with a mustache. It's not safe. Get out of there immediately. Get out now. Oh, jeez. Was the guy who killed all those girls blonde with a mustache? No, he was I'm a gonna, Native American. Mm, mm, I've seen pictures. Maybe albino-y? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, guys with blonde mustaches kill little girls. That's what they do. Oh, Shelby. I have the beard now. It's fine. We're safe. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, I am the theater child of a theater child. So we have a lot of really great costumes in my family. Um, my most favorite was probably I was in second or third grade. And I decided that I wanted to go as Mary Queen of Scots. Um, I had a very fancy dress and I was definitely dead and I definitely had my mom make it look like my head had been cut off. So it was super exciting and really terrifying and very bloody. My sister was Catwoman. <laughs> so there's that. So That's like, why your mom like took away old. your Goosebumps <laughs> books because you got too fucking dark. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> I was a really dark little kid. Yeah. I don't know why you're surprised by this. I'm not, but that makes it even, yeah. even worse. I was, there was a lot. There was a lot of that. Like a like yeah. a dead Sleeping Beauty. That was a, a big one. I mean, okay. used the same costume to be Princess Peach dead the next year. Right. So there was a lot of death at Halloween in my family. And my sister was a mummy one time. That was exciting. Okay. Yeah. So that's about it. That's my great Halloween costume neat i know cool it's great i don't know why you looked at me when you finished that story but <laughs> i just like looking at you jennifer's up i think i jennifer is up for her story is it as dark as mine i i don't know it depends on what you think is really dark and people die you guys people die Woo-hoo! but it's not so rapey and it's not <laughs> the people aren't as young yeah i went as far as darkness goes it has a it's better a different- ending Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It has an ending. Yes. Cool. There is an ending. Go ahead. So on the surface, the Springfield, Missouri family were much like any other. Um, Diane, who's 53, and her husband, Mark, 61, had been together since college. Did they meet at Missouri State University? They didn't say. They just said college. Maybe? Maybe OTC? I don't know. Jury. Jury? Who knows? Definitely jury. So while Diane's job as a healthcare worker had been the main source of income, Mark stayed at home to look after his four kids and also sang in a popular blues band. Oh, I know. Wh- so cute. Which I one? bet she was really fucking irritated, though, <laughs> taking care of four kids and her husband. Did, did, it, did it say which blues band he sang in? It did, but I didn't want to say it just in case it would ruin. Can't it was the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yes. think I've heard it of was them. actually. Yeah. yeah. So life could be hard sometimes, though, for Diane. 
She was exhausted by work, um, by supporting her son, Sean, who was 26, who had mild, who had a mild form of autism. Um, Sarah, who was 24, who was unemployed and not really doing anything with life, I think. That sounds like a Sarah thing to do. I know, right? <laughs> it seemed like a pretty pointed statement, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and their youngest daughter, Brianna, 11, um, and, I mean, she wasn't bringing any income in. She's 11. I know. <laughs> get a Such fucking Such a job. fucking burden. <laughs> Christ, kid. Get it together. I know. And they all lived in a cramped three-bedroom home. But also, there was another child. But she was the golden child. Oh. Okay? So, she was the only person that Diane felt she could rely on. What's her name? Jennifer. Named Rachel. Oh. She was 22. She was a straight-A student and a gifted artist. Ooh. I know. And she did go to Missouri State. Oh. Okay. In the story, she went to Missouri State. Okay. So on Easter Sunday, 2012, so this is a recent. Very recent. Yeah, very recent story. Uh, Mark died suddenly at home. Diane explained that her husband hadn't been feeling well. He had recently experienced three seizures. When asked if her husband had a history of this kind of thing, she said he had not suffered seizures in the past but not known to lead a healthy lifestyle, um, his death was ruled to be a, of natural causes. She was insinuating drug use or a lot or of booze just like, in a blues band. Yeah, not eating healthy, maybe a heart attack. Oh. They didn't go That was a different it. path wasn't than an I was going, but okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But his body... I feel like I'm being personally attacked right now. Oh. <laughs> You're not in a blues band. Just a band or okay. two. I feel like so, it's so close I got 30 enough. Years. That's good news. <laughs> But his body was cremated, and his ashes were scattered in a lake. So no, what, Springfield Lake? I don't know. <laughs> it just said a lake. Just That's the lake. mystery. A puddle. So mysterious. Fellows, who knows? So during a memorial service for Mark, mourners noticed that Diane seemed surprisingly just composed, like she wasn't really sad at all. I hate it when people say that, because I react really oddly yeah. to things like... I feel like if Tyler died, I'd be sad on the inside, but, like, trying to make other people happy. Yeah. At least I'm going to say that because, you know, insurance. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Also, I don't know where he went, so I feel not bad saying that. Up front, I think. Is he shopping? (laughs) Anyway, Mark's friend Rob said Diane didn't seem very sad at all, but he thought it was her way of grieving. Yeah, So they kind of discounted it. They kind of noticed it, but was like, eh, maybe she's just a little weird and doesn't grieve like other people. Like normal people. Yeah, like normal people. Yeah. So with the $20,000 life insurance Diane received from Mark's death. Only $20,000? I don't think that they were that well off. So maybe that was. It's not that great. Yeah. Do better. But she packed up and moved the kids to a bigger house in a better part of town. Mm-hmm. Hardly five months had passed when Diane found herself at the center of yet another tragedy when her son, Sean, um, also died suddenly. The one with autism. Yes. Okay. He was 26. Hmm. When Diane informed a medical examiner that he suffered from regular seizures, they concluded he also died of natural causes. And like his father, Sean's body was also cremated. Interesting. Oh. Was it also thrown in a lake slash puddle? It didn't slash say. pond. I'm sorry. I didn't have that information for you. <sighs> okay. But rather than grieving, Diane seemed to take the untimely deaths in stride, mm-hmm. like she did with the other one. Right. Diane's daughter Rachel posted on Facebook one month after her brother's death that she didn't she didn't think she'd seen her mom so chilled out like this in a long time. Pot. I would say pot. Yeah. I'm just I saying. mean, or it's sure. just one more freeloader down, so she's right. on cloud fucking nine <laughs> at this point. Yeah, she has two freeloaders down. Right. Did he have life insurance? I don't know. They didn't say. Probably not. Probably I'm not. Go with probably not. I mean, no. He's 26? Yeah. I feel like he should have life insurance. I don't think he had, like, a job or anything. I don't know. I don't know enough about this. Um, when it's Diane's fine. oldest daughter, Sarah, who was the one who had a lot of student loans and all that stuff. Another I can freeloader. relate to that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She went to the hospital with organ failure. Um, Family members weren't sure how much more heartache the family could take, but the police got an anonymous tip-off saying that Diane had killed her husband and son and was trying to kill her daughter. 
Medical oh. bills add up. So I'm going to say if you're going to, like, kill somebody, go ahead and just get it done. Don't send them to the hospital. Right. Kill them real fucking hard. Yeah. Kill them yeah. so hard. <laughs> so hard. Funerals are also expensive, though. That's probably why they're scattering ashes in the, in the lake or whatever. Right. Like, cremating yeah. somebody is not very expensive. It's only, like, a grand or two. It's not a big deal. I mean, if you want to use the oven, yeah, sure. But... <laughs> It's like a Viking funeral. It's really not that expensive. Yeah. Like in relation to things. Like student loans. I, I get the weird flyers in my mailbox. I know how expensive cremation <laughs> is. I finally sent one of them back with, is this a threat written on it? You do so, live on the north side. They I push do. that there. Yeah, they yeah. really want me to yeah. die in style. So, alarmed by the tip-off, a detective looked into Mark and Sean's deaths. Going to visit Sarah, who was critically ill in the hospital, he spoke to a nurse who said Diane had been behaving strangely. She joked about her daughter's condition and even mentioned an upcoming vacation to Florida. So while her daughter's in the hospital with organ failure, her mom's just like, yeah, that trip to Florida, man. I'm looking forward to it. Tickets aren't refundable, so you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Also, I mean, one time my mom thought I poked my eye out and started laughing. So I feel like it might just be a mom response. Or my family's crazy. One of the two. If she's not here, it's fine. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, always buy the travel insurance. It's important. (laughs) (laughs) Then a doctor told the detectives that Sarah's illness could be a possible case of poisoning. Armed with this information, he asked Diane to appear at the uh, police department for questioning, and the truth came tumbling out. Diane admitted to poisoning her husband and two of her children. Right? I like to think that if a cop came to me and said, hey, I feel like you poisoned your kid, I'd be like, what? That's, that's what I'm saying. She was presented with one small piece of evidence where it was just like, yeah, somebody said this might be poison, and she's like, yeah, I kill all of them. <laughs> Fucking rookie mistake. I know. God. Get it together. Watch some Lifetime, some Investigate TV, and learn how to lie a little better. I'm sure it was a long questioning. I doubt she did it in the first like couple minutes. I, I want to say they closed the door, and she just went, I poisoned all of them. <laughs> I want to believe that's how this went down. So Diane was arrested, and the the detective gently informed Rachel that her mother was a murderer. Meanwhile, um, the family home was searched for evidence. Rachel's purple diary had a startling entry dated before her father died. I like that you specify it's a purple diary. I know. It makes me really happy. Yes. We don't know if they, you know, continue. Shut up. (laughs) It's sad when I, or so this is what the diary said. It's sad when I realize how my father will pass on in the next two months. Sean, my brother, will move on shortly after. It will be tough getting used to the changes, but everything will work out. Maybe she's psychic. This was before the dad died. Maybe she's psychic. Maybe the purple diary tells the future. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing that's been said this entire time. So they concluded from that that the mom and daughter had hatched the evil plan to kill together. Right. Right? Okay. So they they looked in their search history, and they had searched how best to use, or how best to poison without anybody noticing. Rookies. I know. Clear so, your search history. So it came up with um, Incognito antifreeze. browsers. Am I right? So they poisoned them with antifreeze. Right. And they wanted this specific kind. They, they found it online. They bought it online. Found one that wouldn't taste too bad? I don't okay. know. Who wrote this article that tasted all these different antifreezes? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't trust sure. the opinion of somebody who's tasted a lot of antifreeze. But they, she put it in uh, their Gatorade and soda. So I guess the sugariness masked the taste. I don't know. I've never had antifreeze. <laughs> but it's Diane... Not, it's not terrible. Yeah. Diane said, I hated his guts. I guess I just had enough. Which one? Oh, the dad. Sorry. Oh, the dad. The husband. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. Both of them. All of them. Um, with Mark out of the way, Diane considered her autistic son to be a burden and to be lazy. I know. He was more than a bother, more like a pest. That's Aww. what she said. Yeah, I know. So once again, drink bottles have been laced with antifreeze, and Sean suffered the same fate as his father, but Diane still wasn't finished in her confession. Rachel explained that Diane found Sarah to be another annoyance. Uh, recently graduated from college, according to Diane, she was, uh, wasn't was getting a job quick enough to pay off her student debt. So, 
Okay. So you're lacing soft drinks and Gatorade. Yes. With antifreeze. Yes. So are you just like fetching them drinks anytime they're thirsty? Or Probably. does everyone know like the red Gatorade's off limits? I don't know. How does that even work? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming she's giving it to them. Like, right, hey, this, do you want a Gatorade? Let me lace this yeah, th- for this you Yeah, this is a situation where it was like, hey, woman, get me a Gatorade. And or she that. was like, right away, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, if someone's saying to me, hey, woman, get me some Gatorade, I will probably yeah, You're going to fucking there. poison them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the reasonable response to that. That's, yeah. 100%. Also, I want to believe that the that the antifreeze is also kept in the refrigerator. <laughs> and it just said, like, Di- it said Diane's on it, just so no one would touch it. Yes. Or it says Diane's because they're sure to touch it then. That's actually Because they're pieces yeah. of shit. Yeah, yeah, they'll poison themselves that For way. For sure. And yeah. then no one's to blame except themselves. I mean, it's not a work refrigerator. People don't purposely drink shit with other people's names on it or whatever, especially when it's antifreeze. But I feel like if you put that in the, in the refrigerator at work, people would be like, I mean, I know it says Sarah, but <laughs> I guess I'll just take this back to my desk. It's very obvious to me that you just started living with your girlfriend because you sure as fuck would drink her stuff on purpose. Like, if you'd live together for a while. We don't have those boundaries. Nothing like, is safe. All the stuff is, is just stuff. Nothing is safe. I'm just telling you. Continue, Jennifer. Okay, yeah, please shut up for a minute. Okay. <laughs> so she also said Sorry. both Sean and Sarah would just, like, trash the house, which was, I guess, another reason why she wanted to murder them. Um, <laughs> like, Motley Crue trash the house or, like... Like they would like never leave clean a, up. like a spare soda can on the on the coffee table. A soda can that's laced with you know arsenic or she, antifreeze. Sorry, antifreeze. antifreeze. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what she meant by trash. Apparently, it was her version of trashed, which could be any little thing. Who knows? I just want to be full on like Keith Moon throwing a TV out the window, but. I don't that's, fucking know. That's what happened, 100%. That's absolutely, yep. absolutely what happened, yes. So when Sarah became ill, Diane and Rachel took her to the emergency room, but it wasn't out of guilt that they did that. Um, Rachel said, I didn't want another one to die in the house. Houses are nasty after someone's died in it. So it was a very selfish reason. They didn't want another dead smell in the house, apparently. Ooh. Is two the max, then, for a three-bedroom, or how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. One per bedroom, yeah. I've, I've been thinking about getting my real estate license. I feel like this is going to be on the test, so I <laughs> figured I'd ask. Well, after the dad died, they moved into a bigger house. So really, it's only been Sean that had died. In the oh, house. so it's just one then death just, per house. Then just put, yeah. her, put, put her in the death room. There's one room <laughs> <laughs> right. that people die in. That's how you know you're not the favorite, as it turns out. <laughs> but the mother and daughter almost got away with it, but then the family's pastor became suspicious of Diane's lack of emotion and tipped off the police. That's why I don't go to church. That right there, obviously. So Sarah survived but suffered from a serious brain injury. After um, learning to walk and talk again, she was able to sit in the front row during the trials when Diane and Rachel both pleaded guilty to two counts of murder. Um, in May 2015, Rachel pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder and one count of first-degree assault. She, was, she agreed to testify against her mother in the event her case went to trial. The judge sentenced her to 20, or sentenced the 25-year-old to two life prison terms plus 20 years. Um, under the terms of for the sentence, she wouldn't be eligible for parole until she served 42 years. So, yeah. And on January 20th, 2016, Diane pleaded guilty to one count of first-degree murder in the deaths of her husband and one count of first-degree assault in the poisoning of her daughter, Sarah. I don't know where the son comes into play. I guess they didn't want to prosecute her for that. No one cares. Anyway, pursuant to the plea deal, she avoided the death penalty but was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So she'll die in there. Which jail. is a better ending, in my opinion, than your story. Well, at least you know who the killer is. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. Exactly. Knows. Exactly. And also, he didn't live that long in prison, so yikes. I know. All right. That's so there are three stories. So first of all, you have Shelby's Young Brothers Massacre. Who thinks that actually happened here in good old Springfield, Missouri? Uh, let's clap. Let's clap if you think that's the case. If, if it, it did is, happen. Do you it think it's true. the truth? Okay. Thank you for your confidence in my storytelling. 
All right, and then you have my Camp Winnetonka Girl Scout Murders. Who thinks it happened in Springfield? Oh. They're, they're getting tired, Sarah. I know. And then there's old uh, Jennifer's arsenic and old lace, antifreeze and old lace story. <laughs> <laughs> and the comb back strong. I, that wasn't good. I'm sorry. It was a Cary Grant joke that fell flat. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> I feel like everyone thought this happened in Springfield. All of them. All of them. I mean, I, mine was the probably the least number of, right? Maybe. Right? I, I saw some shaked heads during a few of them. People are opinionated. Yeah. Right. That cancels sure. out the other votes. Where people shake their head while also clapping. That's just an old <laughs> vote at that point. Yes. Is that how that works? I wasn't even counting. I have no idea. You're ridiculous. Thank you. Okay. So my story is actually technically the lie. What a surprise. What a liar. I'm a liar. Uh, old Camp Winnetonka here in town. Um, it was never a property belonging to the Girl Scouts of America. They were built around 19 or 1890 and the main house served as a hunter's club. Um, it had not been occupied several years when in June of 1977, that's right. The exact same year that the Girl Scouts were murdered the same month. Um, the three story structure caught fire and burned down. And it was one of several large fires that happened in Springfield that summer that were related back to an arsonist that was later caught. Um, but the legend of like a Girl Scout camp, Girl Scout camp murders, if you lived in Springfield for a while, you've probably heard about it. And I think a lot of it is tied to the fact that in the newspapers and in everybody's memory, those two are tied together because it was a nationwide sensation about these three girls that nobody knew what happened to them. So you would see the headlines right next to each other in the newsletter that whole summer and it's just a big deal. So... No, no Girl Scouts ever were at Camp Winnetonka. Sorry. No Girl Scouts were harmed in the making of this story. Well, but there were Girl Scouts that were murdered, but it was in Oklahoma. Right. The Girl Scout camp there. So that's my story. S- same guy? Yeah. The, that whole story is true. It just happened in Locust Grove, Oklahoma. Ah, there we go. And not in Springfield. That so makes it's not, way more sense now. It's not a lie. It's just not in Springfield. But it's also not the full truth. Wow, we set right. the premise of this up terribly then. No, I know. I did that on purpose because yeah. I'm a jerk. Oh, God. So fucking Sorry, sneaky. guys. Also, my story, um, it actually was on 2020 and on an episode of Snapped. Has anybody ever seen that show? It's the on fuck Oxygen. is Snapped? I don't know what that is. It's like when women kill. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like when moose attack. Is that the same yeah. kind of format? Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just like that it's called Snapped. All right, awesome. Does anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that you heard here tonight? We probably won't know the answers if you have questions. No? All right, awesome. We've already proven that we're capable of lying to people, so I mean, you know. Is it lying or just bullshitting? What's the difference? There's not one. There you go. All right, awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Uh, there, are, Like I said, tarot's still going on. You can still purchase anything that you see up front. And uh, we're here if you want to talk. Also, there's still beer. Ask Brody. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.